control. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Hello there and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast, bringing you news in tech from Ireland and of course across the world. Remember, you can hear our show on air with RTE each Friday evening or anytime you like with your favourite podcasting app from Apple, Google or Spotify. We also keep you bang up to date daily on all things tech with hourly updates and daily newsletters, which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. My name is Dusty Rhodes. This is episode 832 and I'm joined as always by our editor in chief, uh, Niall Kitson, who has got a brand new toy you've just been trying out for the last couple of days. What's it called? Yeah, it's the Surface Book 3. Well, we, we will talk about it a little bit later and, and get the a rest of the news later. out of the way. A little bit later, but you, you've wet my appetite. Oh, very first, good. But first, the big news stories of the week. Uh, I think the most interesting is uh, it's it's the face. Do you ever watch Harry Hill? And yes. He's going, I yes. like Facebook and I like Australia. <laughs> <laughs> So it's Facebook versus Australia. Tell me the story. Pretty much, yeah. It's what what a weird face-off that that's happening, and it comes down to the idea of the digital economy. And this is something that had been floated a couple of years ago, and it wasn't quite laughed out, but sort of. Uh, I think a lot of people went, "Yeah, great idea," and nothing came of it. You know, things just sort of fizzled out. And here's the idea: right, you're a newspaper. Right mm-hmm. or a news website or something like that, you've got all these social media sharing buttons uh, along the bottom of your news stories. And if somebody likes what they've read or think it's, you know, important or whatever, they'll click like mm-hmm. uh, and it'll share or it'll be endorsed or, or what have you, you know. Um, and that goes off to the user's news feed and it gets distributed. And uh, Facebook make money off it or whatever social network of choice makes money off it because it brings people into their site, keeps people occupied and maybe starts a debate remotely over there. Uh, And the newspaper is left with nothing. This is content they've created that another company has gone on and is making money off. So uh, in Australia, the debate uh, at the moment is, well, hang on, we don't want this anymore. We want to bring in a sort of a digital tax that, uh, you know, every time somebody does that, somebody kicks a little something our way. Facebook pays us a little something. Maybe the equivalent of like an audio stream on Spotify or something like that, you know? Hmm. Very small on its own. Uh, but I guess the amount sort of snowballs depending on the on the volume. So when you have a website like Facebook that is all about volume uh, and as we know, not about quality, not about vetting content as such, much as they might like to say otherwise, um, all of a sudden this becomes a huge issue. A massive part of their of their business model has suddenly become expensive or, you know, you have to pay for at all. So, hmm. um, so this has come, this has come to a head. It has. Yeah. And Facebook is saying, you know what, if you're going to make us want to pay for this kind of thing, we're not, you're just not, we're not going to let you share stuff. That's it. You can take your Facebook button off the bottom of uh, your articles because you ain't getting nothing off us. Um, I don't often agree with Facebook, but I do in this circumstance, the way you've painted the story. Okay, right. Hit me up with your take. Well, the first take is that you say is that the newspaper create the content and the content is theirs and it's expensive to make, as you and I both know, Mm -hmm. in the content business. Uh, And it's absolutely wrong for somebody else to go and to steal that content and to use it for their own profit. 
Yes. And, and so we're all agreed on that. Steal is a really interesting word that you use there because that's mm. what the publishers would say. But okay, Facebook now, would well, say it here, has been shared. Here's where I get it because you, the way you described the story was the newspaper has got a link to Facebook at the bottom of the story. Mm-hmm. Making it very easy. So it's the newspaper who is initiating the transaction. Mm, yeah. Share this on Facebook. And now they're kind of going, well, okay, well, we want Facebook um, to pay for content we've asked people to share. Yeah. So that that's where it kind of falls down on me, you know. I mean, it's different. Like, there was this whole thing with uh, with Google Search and Google News at, at one point where literally Google is pulling in the news and showing you all the stories from all these various uh, searches and you did not need to go to the original source. True. Yeah. Facebook's not like that. Mm. Facebook kind of will show you a link to the story and then you can go and read the story or whatever happens to be and then uh, you can discuss it on Facebook. And Facebook is a social media platform and that's what people do. They talk about things. So, yeah, I will I will go so far as to say it. Facebook would probably say it's a reciprocal relationship that the publisher gets as much out of having a link posted mm-hmm. on Facebook as they do. Mm-hmm. However, as we know about reading patterns online uh, and from the comments sections in many newspapers, you can clearly see that people don't read the articles in general. They read the headlines. And if you're lucky, they'll read the first paragraph. So it's arguable that most of the value extracted from the piece will be done so on Facebook simply because of people's reading patterns. Well, I think that's a, that's people's attention spans these days. Is Do you know what? Human beings have got a shorter attention span than a fish. Oh, we're not quite that bad. Oh, I think we are. I, literally, as you described it, is people will be scrolling through. And lit- when you look at Facebook for five minutes, how many different messages are you looking at in those five minutes? Yeah. You must be looking as you scroll past uh, at least whatever, say one every five seconds, just for the sake of uh, uh, or one every six seconds. So that's 10, uh, ten, ten a minute. Yeah. That's, you know, kind of 50 minutes or it's, whatever, it's, or 50 messages. It's all about the scan. And if... Eggs. If that's exactly what I'm saying. If you have contributed that scan, then, you know... Perhaps you're entitled mm. to it. A couple of years ago, there was a debate about whether URLs could be copyrighted. Ah, think about that. Okay, I, I don't see where that debate even started because you cannot copyright just a name. You can trademark. Oh, don't don't Anywho. start me. One of my one of my great studies in my time was the Copyright Act, um, which I told a solicitor or a barrister or something at one stage, and they looked at me with the jaw dropping, going, "You realise that's one of the largest pieces of legislation uh, in Ireland?" And I went, "Is it really? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's very repetitive." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, listen. Speaking of Facebook, so Facebook are taking on Australia, and Australia are kind of going, "All right, we're not having this," and Facebook are going, "Well, to, to heck with you, then. Uh, you're not allowed to put a Facebook link on." on your news stories. That's interesting. We keep an eye on it. Um, But speaking of that scan going through Facebook and people not paying attention, this is how it makes it much easier for people to influence other people in, say, elections um, because they don't read the story or the source. They just see the headline in the first paragraph and then they take that as fact. Yes, yes. And then they, they comment underneath. And we've got a new story coming out of from Facebook where they've nabbed somebody who's been doing this very recently. Very recently and apparently reasonably successfully. Um, apparently. Uh, now, hang on. We're very used to criticising 
fake news that's coming from the right, you know, that is targeting a certain demographic that we won't go into in, in the States. But you tend to find an awful lot of hot button stuff like anti-vax uh, kind of stuff, you know, sort of things that they on 5G causing, you know, COVID-19, all this sort of wacky stuff that's going around the internet at the moment. And people look at these things on on Facebook and they think that they've been vetted and they're they're correct and all this sort of thing. And they, they haven't been, you know, they've been generated by fake news websites somewhere, you know, mm. off in Russia. Um, and we know that these things have an effect. We know, we know that these things can be quite successful in spreading misinformation, in making money for people. Um, like there was the case of uh, a content farm based in Belarus, uh, and it was just a couple of kids who were knowingly writing fake articles and making $40,000 a month from Facebook on it. And, you know, no interest in uh, in politics or anything. They, they just discovered that, okay, mm. this is a hot button topic, we'll get traffic off it. Not necessarily a part of any concerted misinformation nope. campaign. It's just the, the, yeah. they do. there's a lot of people online, and that's how they make. They go, well, what am I going to get traffic out of? Bump, and and that's what they do, and they don't care about the actual um, subject. But this this time around, Facebook have found, I think, a very inappropriately named organization called the Internet Research Agency. Yeah, and they've been doing is, the rounds for years. Yep, yeah, uh, uh, also known as the IRA. IRA, who may or may mm. not. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. may or may not mm-hmm. be affiliated with the Russian government. <laughs> yes, indeed. But they're definitely up to some dodgy stuff and a bit of a, a, a large operation by all accounts. Yeah. And as I said, we're we're used to people on the right being targeted and sort of mocking people of a certain demographic of saying, you know, you'll read anything off Facebook and you'll believe it. And, you know, however, this is now starting to affect the left as well. So all our wonderful, you know, educated liberal brethren who read into things and like to have their facts uh, and are very fact-oriented and, and love science, like us, um, there has been a fake outlet generated for people on the left as well. And here's the thing. Okay, it was staffed by fake editors, uh, AI-generated photos, everything completely fraudulent, but backed up by a staff of actual human being freelance reporters. So you had, you know, the... I guess the um, merit, the the cachet of having real people writing real stories, but sitting within this ecosystem of AI generated propaganda aimed at people on the left um, to sort of curry their uh, voting patterns into a certain direction, or you know maybe just to get them disillusioned enough that they won't vote at all. Wow. Yeah. It's a, it's a, I, I'm, all, all I'm hearing is my dad's voice in the back of my head. It's like, believe none of what you hear and only half what you see. Well, <laughs> you know. As now, don't believe anything you hear and nothing that you see. <laughs> yeah, it's on the internet, certainly. Now, Facebook did cotton on to this uh, this operation and they managed to uh, to delete it last Tuesday. So you can imagine that they this had actually happened maybe a couple of weeks beforehand and it was only then that they were releasing a, mm. an actual statement on it. I think it's absolutely fascinating that we are seeing both sides of the political spectrum in America being targeted, you know, on the right yeah. where it's painted as they will believe anything, but on mm. the left as well, where it's now sort of, do you know what? You guys are not immune to this sort of thing. Don't be mm. so smug. Well, I, I actually think it's a, even more interesting what's happening in the States at the moment because it's a, not a traditional uh, election due to COVID-19 yeah. and a lot of 
campaigning is being done online. It is. And a lot of voting will be done over the post. Uh, a lot more than is expected. And there's... Is normal. Uh, than is normal. And apparently there is a massive disparity between the percentages of people that tend to vote Democrat and Republican. Republican voters tend to show up on the day, while a lot of Democrats tend to prefer to vote by mail. So all of a sudden, the mail system is incredibly important to the integrity mm. of the election. And as we know, <laughs> the mail service is being not treated particularly well in the States at no. the moment. They They have funding issues and general efficiency issues. Um, So, you know, to be able to uh, attack one of the primary methods of distribution for an election that, in some respects, we probably won't know the end result of for about a week after the after all the votes oh, are cast. We shall wait and see. Anyway, listen, we're not a politics programme, so not. let's leave that to one side. Um, uh, another story that has kind of caught my attention this week is, is TV, actually. Mm. And it's just, you know, kind of, <laughs> it's like... I'm watching ITV and the big primetime program at eight o'clock is like Inspector Morse. As it has <laughs> or been Inspector forever. Lewis. Or no, but it's like, yeah, no, all of these repeats that were on ITV 14 are now on main ITV in primetime because there is just nothing being made. Mm. Um, and the TV companies are actually having a problem getting fresh material because now you've got the online giants like uh, uh, Disney and, and Netflix in particular. Yeah. And this is another fascinating story that, yep, production has stopped. What do you do to fill the, fill the timelines, fill the, fill the, um, the, what do they call it? Schedule? Regularly scheduled programming? Yeah. Apparently you have to watch the TV uh, program at the time that they tell you to. It's amazing. It's incredible what people will (laughs) do. It's so backwards. It's so manipulative (laughs) to make people sit in front of a television at a specific time. What was the other one I I saw recently? Oh yeah, they made a TV show about EastEnders. Just, you know, behind the scenes. We don't have EastEnders, so let's look at EastEnders behind the scenes and interview the actors. Yeah, because there's no repeat value on that whatsoever. What was the one I saw this week? And this really made me laugh, right? Uh, The one show on BBC. Mm Mm-hmm. That's usually on when we're having dinner or whatever, right? Uh, and you, you've got the two presenters and they always sit miles away from each other. And then when they have a guest in, they always sit miles away from each other because it's all COVID-19, all right? Mm-hmm. And it was only last night that I thought, halfway through their interview with Ant and Dick, Ant and Dick were sitting together. Mm. It's kind of like they're not two people anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they are <laughs> you one You can't unit. have one without the other. They were sitting right beside each other. I just thought that was amusing. Anyways, uh, the problem with television getting fresh content has been caused by Netflix. How? Yeah, Netflix and their, and their cohorts in the streaming business uh, who are basically going around hoovering up anything that is worth watching. So in the case of, I suppose, what, what you would call native shows like like Morse that are that are made by their broadcaster that's fairly well locked in that's that's okay uh unless you know you can go to the the channel 4 app and they have all their stuff up there and at least they're being looked after for what they've been produced so it's when you get into the stuff that's being made by third parties that typically would have been sold to the broadcasters all of a sudden they don't have so much money because their advertising revenue is way down and then the likes of you know Amazon and Netflix swoop in and go, oh, that's quite interesting. Let's let's buy that. And here's a reasonably good deal for it. So all these shows apparently are being hoovered up uh, for the benefit of subscribers. So what does well, what does a lowly TV channel do? 
you can't put on reeling in the ears all the time. No, but one of the things that has worked very well for television stations has been homegrown content. Mm. And and I suppose that that is the, the problem that they are not able to make homegrown content. So where do they get stuff from? It is mm-hmm. it is a bit of a, a quandary and a dilemma. Do you know one thing I've noticed? Because I love movies. Okay, mm-hmm. I've got I, I, you know Netflix is grand for watching old movies, or Amazon can be good for watching even older movies. But I'm finding a lot of the standards are not on Netflix or Amazon anymore. Yeah, true. This is kind of like, you kind of think you buy these services and you go, oh, I'll watch Back to the Future again or let's have a look at the Shawshank Redemption or whatever it happens to be. Um, they're not on those things. Do you know where they all are? Where are they? All of the movies I've been looking for over the last week have all been on Now TV, which is a Sky operation. Ah. And I'm thinking is, you know, very similar to what you were saying about Netflix is hoovering up TV programs that so the broadcasters can't get them. Possibly now TV is hovering up all of the best older movies to show on their stream and not on Netflix and not on Amazon. Yeah, it certainly makes sense, doesn't it? It does. And that's kind of another thing. It's like if you want to watch a, a, a series or whatever, you lit- literally online now, you are paying for the channel. It's kind of like, you know, all right, well, you want to watch, in, if you want to watch Inspector Lewis, not my thing. But anyways, um, uh, you would literally have to buy ITV for that month in order to watch that program. Yeah. Or you would have to buy RT for another month if you wanted to uh, catch up with Fair City or whatever happens to be. It's kind of just interesting the way that's all going uh, online. Um, what else we got in the news? Oh, Amazon. I saw a really interesting uh, video last night on YouTube just by accident with Jeff Bezos Mm -hmm. from the late 90s. Right. And it was amazing uh, hearing he he was talking very passionately about his business uh, and saying that this is what he wants to do. Excellent customer service and give them the information and get the things to them really fast. Blah blah. This is going to work. It's going to be amazing. And the person who was interviewing him just wasn't getting it. And they were kind of going, but you're going to need loads of space and you're going to have to do this and and you don't have the money. And he goes, we'll get over all of these things. If we can do this, it'll work and everything will will work out. And the guy interviewing was going, nah, I don't think so. Mm. (laughs) Very negative line of thinking and then I was kind of thinking well who was right in the end here we are 20 years in the future yeah yeah anyways the, the, the Amazon is distracting me from the story uh, because they don't have the greatest name when it comes to them being an employer they certainly don't uh, we all know about uh, well thankfully we, we all know about working conditions in Amazon warehouses and the level of stress um, that its staff are under in order to fulfill orders. Uh, very much the downside of convenience, I think it's fair to say. Uh, Amazon, during the week, withdrew job adverts for two positions uh, called intelligence analysts. Uh, specifically, they were looking for people who had worked in the intelligence community uh, for surveilling on, guess who? The staff. The staff, with a view to stopping them from doing what? Uh, now, if I know Amazon, they're like Ryanair and they don't like unions. They certainly do, do not. That. They certainly do not like unions. Yeah. And uh, this is this is basically what they what they want to do. They want to identify uh, if any union sort of style activity, if employees are looking to form a union or whatever, uh, are happening through the analysis of media posts. So if you've been posting on Facebook or Twitter or something like that going, you know, we must rise up or we've had a meeting with X. Um, yeah, 
that's what they're that's what they're at at the moment. Amazon has since come out and said, "Look, we that was that was a mistake. We're we're taking down those uh, those job applications because they were badly written, badly written, not not quite what we're into." Yep, uh, yeah, an apology even worse than Phil Hogan's. Yeah, I'm sorry right. that you've been hurt. <laughs> Listen, let's get on to the one thing that I want to talk about in the uh, episode today, and that is the new toy um, that you have been playing with. Now, this is not a, an in-depth review or anything because um, we just want to get your first impressions of the Microsoft Surface Book 3. Yeah, now just to frame it, I mean, personally, uh, the Microsoft Surface 3 was one of the best devices Microsoft ever released. It was a, a perfect fun- a perfect tablet for its time. Uh, and that design aesthetic seems to have carried forward into subsequent generations of Surface. And of course, the Surface Book is sort of the, the best of both worlds hybrid thing. The idea is you will, you would initially get laptop class in a, in a tablet. So you plug your tablet into your base, which adds additional functionality, additional battery. So you've got a really good laptop or, you know, push the button, you detach the screen, you've got a pretty good tablet. Um, now the Surface Book 3, they're saying, look, you can get desktop quality uh, class. Uh, again, it's a hybrid computer, so you can detach the screen for a, a slightly less in the way of performance, but that's okay because we're assuming that you know when you go about the place, you're probably not going to get full desktop level. Um, uh, you're not going to need that much muscle, mm. basically. Mm. So I've been playing around with it. And just to give you an idea of the specs, I've been using the 15-inch model, which has a 10th generation Intel i7 processor at 1.3 gigahertz. It's got 256 gigs of storage, 16 gigs of RAM, an NVIDIA GeForce CTX 1660 uh, Ti graphics with six gigs of dedicated GPU memory. uh, And it's got a 3240 times 2160 pixel display, uh, the I.O. is two USB-A ports, one USB-C, uh, an SD card, and a, a headphone jack that is absolutely in the worst position possible if yeah. you want to use it as a, as a laptop. Um, and I also hasten to add, it has a fantastic camera for doing video calls. If you, if you, you know, I used it and I felt shameful for the, the disgraceful nature of my skin pores. It is incredibly sharp. It's like when they brought in HD first, there were some people that just shouldn't be shown in HD. That guy, is that what you're saying? Pretty Face much. for radio, is that what you're saying? No, Face for radio. Well, that's why we're doing a <laughs> podcast, for God's well, sake. Well, listen, let me let me ask you. The first thing that strikes me about the uh, Surface um, Book 3, all right, is that it's got a really weird hinge and yes. it doesn't seem to close at the hinge area fully. How do you find that? Is that good, bad? Do you care? That's always been sort of into the it's not a flaw, it's a feature element because it is very distinctive uh, just the way it folds over because it doesn't go flush. It has this sort of mm. coiled it's a, it, it looks it. like a newspaper kind of folded over. I suppose so, or a snake coil or something like that. Um, mm. And the reason uh, that that can be done is, is for cooling, but also for... Um, also for being able to mount the tablet um, part of it mm. in sort of a nice a nice angle. Um, and it certainly does that job. Uh, of course, the criticism is that, you know, dirt and things can get in amongst the amongst the coils. And that's mm. that's probably a valid criticism. All right. But it's uh, it's always been part of the, the Microsoft design aesthetic, as has, you know, the, the nice, quite soft feeling keyboard and and uh, and base on it. Um, mm. 
it's, it's and the keyboard on it feels quite nice as well. So this is kind of Microsoft's attempt to take an Apple design aesthetic and go, look, we can do devices that look like Microsoft devices. This is sort okay. of our signature. Um, yeah. Right. So the, the hinge is one of the things that's strange about this um, um, laptop. The other thing that, well, it's not grossly unusual, but it is unusual, is that the screen does pop off and you can use it as a tablet. Uh, have you done this? Oh, Why yeah. do you do it? And is it good? Yeah, that's one of the raison d'être of the See, did you like my accent? Mm. It's proper. Um, it's it's one of the main reasons for getting this is that it it is that hybrid uh, that you can take the take the um, tablet bit off, take the screen off, switch mm. it around, and you can use the hinge to cover over the keyboard, and you've got a, a very nice um, high spec tablet, or you can just take the screen off and and bring it around like a, a regular Surface tablet. Um, very, it's it's very hard to fault it. The only thing is that the bezels. Uh, on the tablet are very big. So, you know, it does feel like it's a tablet on top of a, a mounting as opposed to a, a contemporary laptop where, you know, the screens, they're pretty much end to end at this stage. So it does feel a little bit dated in that regard. Uh, I mean, the design really hasn't changed at all over the previous generation. It's all been about packing as much stuff uh, into the tablet part as, as possible uh, and letting what they have in the base sort of uh, complement mm. that. Um, mm. And I think I think they're, they've certainly got there with it, but it also means that the problems of the previous generations are kind of the problems of this one. So we talked about the headset port. We mentioned the bezels there, uh, and also um, there's no Thunderbolt port, which makes it kind of dated already. Microsoft are saying there's a, a security issue with Thunderbolt that they they uh, couldn't address in this generation, so they just decided to leave it out. Um, mm. I think uh, one of the video bloggers out there looked up exactly what the um, what the security issue is and it's something quite quite obscure so somebody in engineering went you know you could possibly do this and somebody in product went well we can't be doing that so let's not well we won't look into that the other the other thing that's um i would say again uh, unusual about this particular laptop the uh, surface book 3 is that it's got a pen stylus but not unusual for a laptop but certainly yeah kind of getting there for uh for tablets and i'm always kind of mm. skeptical you're you're quite fond of a stylus on your on your um no Samsung's. i was saying last week that with the with the note uh the stylus yes was kind of handy but do you know what i didn't really use it in the end hmm. Um, and I can see like, you know, a stylus is fantastic. If you have to do any kind of artistic uh, touch up or you're working with photos or anything like that, I mean, the, the pen is great. Or if you're drawing anything, the pen is fantastic. Mm. But outside of that, it's like, yeah, would you bother? OK, well, here's the thing. Uh, I would normally be of the same opinion. I'm not used to styluses. I don't like them. Uh, if you've got a good touch screen, your finger should do the job anyway. You shouldn't you shouldn't mm. need a device like that. Uh, however, with a tablet and where you've somebody who maybe works in graphic design or something like that, where it's it's quite handy to be able to make handwritten notes or to make adjustments or to draw um, this, this these sort of functions um, using Photoshop, for example. Uh, a good stylus is a real plus, and I was a little bit skeptical when mm. I when I took up the um, the stylus that goes with uh, Surface Book Three. And you know what? It is actually really, really good. Uh, it's got it's got a little bit of um, uh, a little bit of a spring in the nib, and it just makes it feel that little bit more responsive. That instead of tapping mm. a screen, you've actually replicated that sort of 
kind of a nice rubbery kind of a feel. It's not too dissimilar to a to using your finger or whatever. It actually makes it really pleasant using a stylus. Mm. So immediately it is probably the best that, that I've used. Okay. Let me let me ask, what were you using the stylus for? Uh, it's just very simple day day to day stuff. The kind of thing that you wouldn't normally th- think you would bother using a stylus for. Go on. So I was just doing, you know, kind of emaily stuff, kind of, you know, one or two bits of drawing, that sort of thing, just to just to get a feel for it. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm a believer, and it's it's stacks, it's magnetic, so it just sticks to the side of your screen, so mm. there's not so much concern about uh, about losing it. Now, do you, do you really mm. want to know the kicker with this so far? Go on. Okay, let's talk about price points. Uh, now there is a, a 13 inch model of the Surface Book. Three, which uh, I wasn't using. I was I was on the fifteen inch. The base model on the thirteen inch is eight hundred and forty nine euro. So that's automatically about a thousand euro more than you would get a regular fifteen inch laptop for. R- roll roll back and give me that price again. Did you say eight hundred and forty nine or one thousand? One thousand eighteen. Yep. Ah, eighteen forty nine. I just wanted I want to be sure because when you said I thought you said eight hundred, and I'm like, whoa, no. that's really good. Yeah. No, so one thousand eight hundred and forty nine starting price. Starting price on the thirteen inch model. So you're already into premium, premium, premium stuff. The version that I reviewed was two thousand six hundred and forty nine euro. There's a tier above that again, uh, which goes into over three thousand euro. So mm. you know, but put it in context. Um, Roughly the same quality machine as the 16-inch MacBook Pro, which starts mm. at 2,753. So there's about, you know, 100, 100 odd euro in the difference there. And uh, if you want to step away from, you know, the brands to look at another vendor, the Dell XPS 15 is about two and a half thousand euros. So if you're, if you mm. really want into that premium laptop um, category, maybe you're doing a lot of video, you're doing a lot of graphics. Every, every, everybody is in the same price Range. They're all in the same price range, which which I thought was fascinating because I was expecting, you know, uh, a typical um, equivalent that the PC would be much cheaper uh, or the Apple would be much more expensive, and that's not the case. Um, so we're looking price point kind of kind of middle of the road, kind of kind of okay getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, will the same level of brand loyalty be there for Microsoft that will make it a hit compared to people that will stick with? the Apple or look at the Dell and go, do you know what? I'm used to gaming on the Dell, on a Dell. Let's just keep going with that because, because of that sort of, uh, boutique kind of, um, uh, image Microsoft is trying to put out with our products. Uh, I wonder what the uptake will be like because, you know, it, it is a little bit rich for the average consumer. It doesn't have that some same sort of brand, awareness amongst the creative community mm. though maybe they're they're looking to make inroads in there uh, media mm. creators i'm sure uh, will definitely sort of, sort of see something to uh, to like here um as somebody that is multi-platform dusty what do you reckon um i think that the most important thing is are you a windows or a mac os i think that's the first consideration if you are a windows person well, then you're down into, do you get the Dell or um, um, or do you get an Asus or do you get uh, uh, the Microsoft? Um, I think the Microsoft is a little bit expensive. Um, however, Microsoft do make really good hardware. Like when they make hardware, it's really, really good hardware. But they're just not known for that. 
Well, I, I would say the Surface line is quite excellent. I think the Surface Go, I'm not, mm. I'm not sure about it, to be honest. But when, when they've done things right, they've really done things yeah, really no, well. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, d- to be fair, it does. Hardware-wise, though, I just, I'm not sold on the Surface Book 3. And I think, kind of, d- d- to sum up our conversation about this, all right, I think it's a really strange, funny result from my point of view, okay? Mm. Because you are a Mac man and you've always been a Mac man. You have been waxing lyrical about the Surface Book 3 and how great it is, Mm. okay? So I just think that's kind of funny, right? Whereas I'm not a Mac man, I'm a Windows user. Yeah. But when it comes to content creation, I definitely prefer Mac. Um, And I do like Mac hardware, even though it's overpriced, it's really well made, da-da-da-da. So if I was given a choice between a MacBook Pro and a Surface Book 3, I would absolutely go with the MacBook Pro running Windows. Yeah, that's your party piece, isn't it? Buy the Apple hardware and put put Windows no, but on that's it. it. But that's what I'm saying. I like I like the Apple hardware, even as expensive as it is, but it's proven itself over the years to be, you know, fairly reliable. Mm-hmm. Um but I much prefer the Windows software. Like, much prefer the Windows software. Yeah, yeah. It's the eternal dilemma, so isn't it? That's what I mean. It's kind of the eternal dilemma. But I would like to look at the Surface Book 3 and I can't see you dropping it around to my house at a value of 2700 You'd be going, no, no, more testing to be done. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's fair. That is fair. <laughs> but, uh, but the hinge is the thing that puts me off. Just from what I've seen in the photos and the videos and stuff. Because it doesn't go flush. Because it doesn't go flush and my OCD kicks in and goes, so that's why I'm just kind of asking about that hinge. Is it an issue for you or is it just something that, yeah, I don't like it either. I will say, Um, Mm. I don't know if it's even an aesthetic choice to make Mm. it stand out, to make it look different. Um, But Mm. I'm just, I'm just not a fan of it. All right. But as an actual laptop computer, you find it, very easy to use, very powerful, great screen, every, everything that you could want in a laptop, bam, there it is. Do you know what? It's it's not far off. It's not far off. And, and, and listen, I would say to anybody listening to the program, Niall is one of the hardest bloody people on the planet to keep happy. Actually, that's fair. <laughs> so, so when you say it's not far off, that's like a 12 out of 10 rating for everybody else. <laughs> Until proven so otherwise. <laughs> there you go. Uh, listen, one one last question on the uh, on the Surface Book Pro three because the battery lasts a long time. Uh, when you've been using it three four times, uh, three four hours, I should say, does the uh, unit actually get hot? Does um, it run hot? Again, it always depends what you're using it for. I mean, I can oh, okay, I can quite. sit down all day doing word processing. Big big whoop. You, you would sit down doing video editing, and of course, that's going to put a strain on the on the governs. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think that it will run. It hard. will. It will run warm. Put it that way. Grant. Okay. Grant. Well, listen. Uh, what I want you to do, uh, as you are uh, d- defensively holding on to the uh, Surface uh, Book Three for review, which you know, there's two of us do the program. I could do a little reviewing as well. <laughs> Just saying. Listen. 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 Number one, the silence, and then number two, the laugh. All right. Uh, so here's uh, what you need to do over the next couple of weeks and come back to us. Here's your homework, as it were. Okay. Um, number one is to do some video editing on it. Okay. See how because that is the real test for those things. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second one is gaming. You're a gamer. All right. 
find the most advanced whatever game it is uh, the hardest thing the one that needs the most uh, intensive processor time and memory and blah, 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 and everything like that play it and tell us how you get on alright that'll be the true test that's reasonable that's reasonable alright okay great well listen uh, let's let's leave it at that then for the Microsoft uh, Surface Book 3 which is on sale at the moment you get on the Microsoft website or in Curry's or PC World or whatever that is it for our show this week do remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates daily newsletters and more at our website techcentral.ie or of course you can listen to us each week online or Fridays on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra until next time from myself Dusty Rhodes and from Niall thanks so much for listening and have a great weekend Get Tech Radio Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com Tech Central